And hello, everybody, and welcome to Paul Lisnick Behind the Curtain, an opportunity to leave the world of politics and law I cover in television and come to the world of theater and the arts here on the WGN Radio podcast, which is kind of a lot of fun, right? And I wanted to introduce you now to a show that's playing at Theo Ubuke, uh, which is at Evanston. Don't let the word Evanston scare you because it's it's just north of Chicago. It's not far. And everybody who knows me knows that it's everything you can do to get me to live the city. But um, uh, it really is a comfortable theater to get to. It's quaint. It's intimate. You can have dinner when you're there or go to the Jamaican restaurant next door, which I kind of do a lot. Uh, but anyway, what is playing there now is Passing Strange, which was a, a great show in the world of Broadway, and it's here. In fact, I'm not even aware of how many places uh, post-Broadway is played. We're going to find out. Let me introduce you to my guests who will be joining us. First of all, the director of the show, Tim Rose, who's the director. And uh, by the way, this is off topic, but I know you also directed, Tim, uh, the Sammy Davis Jr. story show. I just I love Sammy Davis Jr. Where was that show done? Uh, we, we did it at Fleetwood Jordan Theater. It was one that I, I wrote. Uh, for a wonderful actor here in Chicago, Sean Blake. Oh, yeah, and okay. It was called, it was a takeoff on his book, Why Me? So we titled the play, Why Not Me? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I just thought I'd throw that out there because if you recast it again, I'll I'll do Dean Martin or something like that. <laughs> um, and also joining us, Jordan DeBose. Uh, Jordan is the, well, you're the narrator in the show. And I don't know why the program I, doesn't say this, but the character's name is Stu, right? It is, yes. Yeah, the character's name is Stu. And I'm going to ask you why in a moment. But for now, program says narrator, but we know you're really Stu. Um, and also joining us is Janice Upton, who plays mom in the show. Looking too young to be a mom, but I understand that's the role that, that comes along. But, you know, so when I put this together, and I'll be honest with you, um, uh, b- before I knew anybody else, and this is just going to be a compliment to Jordan, and I said, Get me Jordan, because you're. I was there before opening, because I, I had conflicts on opening, and Jordan, I got to tell you, I mean, just your voice, you're, and I, I'm thinking that the others are not going to disagree with me. Your voice, that strength, that growl, that I don't know what words, how would you describe your voice? Because I fell in love with it. I know you've been at Porchlight in other places, but I, but I just fell in love with that voice. Thank you. Thank you so much, Paul. I appreciate you. Um, gruff, uh, gruff is how I would describe it. Uh, gruff. Um, yeah, um, you know, I, I I really have enjoyed singing from a very young age. Um, I had a wonderful, wonderful voice coach in college, Dr. Rob Globitz. Um, you know, just a lot, a lot of people, you know, my parents fostered my singing, you know, like a lot of my friends were very supportive of my singing, you know, a lot of great people just like fostered me in getting my voice to where it is today. And I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. You know, just once in a while you get somebody with a voice, you know, look, a lot of people sing well and all of that, but you, but once in a while you get that voice that you can pick out anywhere, uh, you know, because it's that thing or something. Anyway, kudos to you on that. And I just wanted to make that point. Tim, let me come to you because, um, Janice, you should get ready to give us what the plot of Passing Strange is all about. But Tim, give us a little bit of history because people in New York, they might've seen Passing Strange. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think their journey started um, in the early 2000, 2006, they were at the uh, Berkeley Repertory Theater. Um, and so from there, uh, it traveled to the public theater. Um, and then it went on to the Blasco uh, Broadway. And it um, had, had a wonderful journey. It was um, something that I think you can say is autobiographical, but Stu, along with Heidi, his co-creator, um, took um, his life story and 
and added elements that would be great for storytelling. He would say that. They would say that. Um, and so it's a great storytelling uh, play. It's, it's, it's about a young man who's growing up, finding himself a coming-of-age story. You know, that's pretty typical. That's a, that's a pretty typical story. But Stu's life was exceptional in many ways. And, um, and, and how it landed um, as a musical it's kind of like misleading, right? Because it really is a play with music. Hmm. Uh, I see a lot of music. that kind of a storyline, right? Um, and as you say, the, the narrator, the narrator's job is to take that audience on that journey. And as you said before, it doesn't become much more powerful than what Jordan does with this role. And so that storytelling is what I think makes this experience, this theatrical experience, different from many other uh, musical theater pieces. Just one follow up on that, Tim, because then Michael Jones, of course, who plays our young person, uh, Mike, in the Jones. Show. Mike yeah. Jones, Mike Jones, Mike Jones. My question is: Is he? Then I thought for a wonder when it when it said Jordan is the narrator, I thought, well, maybe. And I know you, the character says I'm Stu, but I kind of yeah. wondered: Is Mike Jones the young Stu? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yep. That's exact. That's exactly Take what it is. So you have them on stage at the same time. Uh, the narrator Spoiler gets alert. to look back. <laughs> I was like. <laughs> That's a huge plot point now, Paul. <laughs> I love it. Now, Janice, I'll come to you. Tim told us a little bit about the plot, but you begin this because I have a couple of ways of describing the plot in my head. And so I want to see which way you go with it. So how would what, what is the plot from your point of view of this show? From my point of view. Well, first, um, context, it's set in 1976. It starts out in Los Angeles. And the story is really about um, a young black man who um, is grappling with identity. Um, I think. In this story, you'll notice a lot of times um, the the youth says he's looking for the real. And so I think he is on this journey to figure out how he wants to show up as an artist um, and balance his identity as an artist with also, um, you know, who he is as a person, his loved ones, his family. How does he reconcile these two sides of who he is? So he um, goes to these different places, takes a trip, meets a lot of really interesting people. Um, and at the end, you'll have to see kind of um, what he decides or who he decides to be um, in terms of what the real ends up meaning to him by the end of his journey. And tell us about the role of mother. Yes, mother is a really important role in this show because I feel like she symbolizes um, everything he's left behind at home. So he kind of starts in this place um, where he's feeling discontent with his life. Um, it's kind of a safe environment, a quiet suburb that they live in. Um, and he's just excited to get out into the, the real world and experience what he thinks life really is. So throughout the show, as he goes to these different places, you know, mom sort of serves as an anchor um, for where he's come from. And uh, this constant reminder of, you know, what's waiting for him back at home. And Jordan, I mean, you've been in The Heights and Billy Elliot and Avenue Q. And so, um, you know, all sorts of shows like that. But I don't think any theater in the Chicago area is quite what Theo Ubuke is. You can disagree with me, but the environment of Theo Ubuke is just so different. I'm curious to ask you as a performer, what is, what is your sense of performing in such an, would you rather be on the stage of the Nederlander uh, or, or do you love the interaction you get? You know, it was, it, it, it's funny you ask that is because I was just saying the other day, like this is, this definitely is a show like with the whole cast, the whole crew that I would love to take to a bigger space and show more people and like have like, you know, that 
opportunity for more people to see the show because Theo is such a small space. But God, it's I I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade it because the intimacy that Theo space brings specifically for this for this show and specifically for the role of the narrator is so so impactful. It's so impactful, you know. Um, and I and I think I think it manifests in a lot of ways. You know, Tim and I, Tim and I were um talking after opening night, and um this woman came up to us and was like. You know, I've seen the show like like three times and I've always really loved the show. Like I always really liked it, but tonight I really got it. And that was I fell out of my skin. I was so, so overjoyed. And I think that has to do with the intimacy of it. And just like, you know, because when you're on a big stage like you, like just from like the craning of your neck you have to just like take so much in but like when it's right there in front of your face and you can see everyone's mouths and you can see everyone's emotions so clearly on their faces like it's such an impact so i really think that theo especially for a chicago production where it is very intimate and very you know like we're we're all up. I love this cast so much. We're, we're having such a fun time together. And I think that really shows. And again, a part of that is because we are so close quarters with the audience. We can connect so much with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and Tim, so this is the night I was there. So Jordan, you're going to remember this. The night I was there, there was this, I was at the front table. There was this woman on the side and it was really only for a moment, but she closed her eyes for a moment. You know where I'm going? And so oh, yeah. you, you had sort of an ad lib moment and you, and you looked out there at her and said, you, you asked a question, whatever you, you, I'm talking about you, you're sleeping over there. And I just thought, <laughs> I just so love that. Janice, I don't know if you remember that night, but so Tim, what kind of guidance do you give these guys in terms of the ad lib? You can't pull that off at a big theater, but it worked. It was, I loved it. What, what, what do you give these guys, these folks uh, guidance? Um, great. I'm sorry. Obviously we have a mini bike rally going around my oh, house nice. now. And so I don't know if you hear that in the background. It's all, it's all right. If you're going to, but, uh, but you know, it's, um, I mean, it's the kind of show uh, of Stu would have said this as well. Right. And I, and I don't mind repeating that. It's a really strong structure, but it allows for it to be different every night. Um, and that takes a lot of faith in the cast uh, because it's not going to be uh, duplicated from night, from night to night. And so those moments when they happen, uh, whether it be Janice or whether it's Michael Jones or whether uh, Michael M or Elliot or any of them, uh, Jordan, they have the ability to uh, play off of what's going on in that audience. It's so immersive that you have to, you know. And, uh, and, and let me, Jordan, have you again, I, I saw it that one night. Have you had any other moments since then where you kind of called somebody out on anything? Oh, absolutely. There was a, <laughs> there was a woman, there was a woman, she was really enjoying the show. And I kind of felt bad because I don't think she's, I don't think she really understood what was going on, but her cell phone went off like twice. Oh. And one of the times, one of the times was, it wasn't during like a super intimate moment or anything, but like, it was definitely a moment where I was just like talking by myself. And I and it and it and it went off, and I was just like, "Turn that off." <laughs> so oh, I was like, ah, "I'm not going to tell you, you do that." Yeah, like I love I love the fact that like 
Well, one of the things, one of the things that I talked to, um, gosh, I don't remember her name. I'm so sorry. Um, but another interview that I did, um, I talked about how I feel like the Spike Lee version, which I love, I'm obsessed with. It's incredible. But, um, I feel like in the Spike Lee version, Stu was really only a narrator, right? And only telling the story through like an outsider's perspective of it. And what I love about our production is I am an active part of the story. You know, like I'm interacting with everyone, you know, like I'm like in the scenes, you know, like one of my favorite parts of the show is the church scene where I get to just like groove and dance around with people, you know, it's a lot of fun, you know? So, and I think that, I think that really kind of drives home like the ending part where like it all is, all is to be revealed. Um, and you, you realize like, Oh, that's why the narrator has been a part of this because, you know, so yeah, and and hey. Ginny, I mean, most of the cast is mostly on stage for a lot of the show. There are moments when we don't see you. I'm just cur- curious when <laughs> when you're back there, and you know, and Jordan is pulling off something like that. Do you, are y'all you paying attention to what happens, or do you miss it? Or do you get a kick out of it, or you're waiting for it? Oh yeah, I I love um, the the parts where I'm not actively on stage or engaged in the scene, listening to the show. Um, I stay engaged no matter what. Um, but it's, it is fun to hear how the show changes um, at certain points uh, from night to night. Um, and also, like, there are moments where, you know, I'm in character. I'm preparing for my next scene as mother. There are also moments where I can't help but just rock out back in the dressing room because I'm listening to them sing Mayday or uh, It's All Right. And it's just the, the energy in that space. And because it is so intimate, it's palpable. So, yeah, it's it's really great. What did you do, Janice, to prepare, I mean, for your relationship with, with young Stu, with, with Michael Jones? Did, did you guys like get together ahead of time? I mean, you have to, we got to believe the mother son relationship. Yeah. Um, we didn't really get together ahead of time, but I think, uh, you know, as we've been working on the show throughout the process, our relationship has evolved. Um, as with all of my castmates, you know, you just get to know people on a certain level. I think we've become a lot more comfortable with one another. And I think for me, I just really had to familiarize myself with mother's interior life as well and how she views her son. So that has been a huge part of the process for me as someone who doesn't have a child (laughs) or a son, um, but still understanding the importance of that, you know, kind of relationship. um, It's been a really fun acting exercise to understand mother and her perspective and where she's coming from and how she views her relationship with you. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Tim, talk about the role Fred Anzavino played in this because obviously they created this season. He was there the night I was there. I don't know whether he's taking notes or watching it. He, he certainly enjoyed the show. We, we kept talking uh, during all the breaks and afterwards and stuff. Told him how great this was. Is, is he an influencer? Is he just a hands-off? Tim, do your thing. Yeah. He gave me the keys to the Bentley and I drove it. <laughs> he got a Bentley? He's making too much money. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> It's a used Bentley, but it's a good Bentley. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Fred, and you know, I, I, uh, I've known Fred for several years now. We've been trying to get my, um, my body over there to do something, but he, uh, uh, Fred, is hands off, 
but we have conversation. So he would see a run or he would see something and his eye, he's a wonderful director. Um, so why would I not listen to uh, the expertise that, that you know, he could bring to the table? So, yeah, but, you know, hands off or as Fred would say, you know, I'm going to say this and you can use it if you want to. You don't have to. I said, well, I know that, you know, but give it to me because as you probably, you know, as a director, what ends up happening, you go from a really wide point of view to a very narrow point of view. And so you need someone on the outside sometimes to just point out some things that you may be you know, unaware of. And so but, you know, he was very, very you know, instrumental in that. Well, and I'm glad he is, because if you think about it, you know, you wouldn't want a situation where eventually look and go, oh, who's directing this show? You or me, right? So right. it's important that he gives you the keys to the Bentley, as you, as yeah. you say. Yeah. Uh, and Jordan, in, in, for you in preparing for this role, I'm sort of curious, did did you have to go do research on Stu himself? I mean, how did that or or Jordan just doing it, you know, doing their thing and Stu is Stu? So what's funny is, um, you know, my <laughs> a lot of my preparation was just listening to the show um watching the show uh just getting a just getting it's it's funny the, I, the, spike I, lee, I, the spike lee mostly or you mean yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah um i came in and i just like knew the entire show and like even throughout the process people line notes <laughs> but um as far as like studying stew not really okay. because and and one of the reasons why was i had a conversation with tim early on um tim is great you know tim called me before rehearsal started and was like hey let's chop it up you know i want to i want to um i want to have this be a collaborative process which i really really appreciated um but one of the things oh i lost my train of thought um well, what was you're not mimicking Stu. You're not mimicking Stu. Right. I'm talking about your connections. Yeah. So one, one of the things that he was talking about to me was he was like, Stu really drives home the fact that, like, in this role of narrator, it's important that you not try to emulate Stu and you bring yourself to the character. Because, like, if you're trying to emulate Stu, it's not going to be authentic. It's not going to be you know, it's not going to be what it can be. So I really had to like, kind of like distance myself from like, okay, I can be Stu. I sound like Stu. I can act just like Stu, but I'm going to be Jordan. Cool. Janice, so, yeah. I, sometimes I wonder like, do, I, I guess this might be considered a rock musical. I mean, I know a lot of the music is rock, but I feel like that limits what this show really is when one just calls it a rock music. I don't want to describe it that way to people. Am I wrong? Yeah, I, I wouldn't call it a rock musical. I mean, it definitely, like you said, it has rock music. Um, and I heard someone describe it this way. I can't remember where. It feels more like a a rock concert in a way. Hmm. And to Tim's point, um, it's a story with music in it. Like the, the music is really a vehicle for expressing um these important moments in the youth's journey. Um, so it's really, I, I think the reason rock is the genre that, you know, um, is used in this case is because of how emotionally charged it can be at the right moments. So um, it really isn't just a rock musical for the sake of being a rock musical. Like Stu sat down and was like, yeah, the show is going to sound like this just because I really feel like um, the choice of the type of music that's used and when it's used. Um, and, and, and again, even within the genre of rock, you have some very like 
heavy, hard hitting songs. You have kind of like softer pop rock songs. And so Stu does a really good job of strategically placing the music um, where it's going to elevate certain moments of the story. Tim, so I know the story. If I could, I just want to add that 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 is so accurate. Um, I think anybody who saw the Spike Lee version will be pleasantly surprised of how unique this production is. Right. Um, and that was like to Jordan's point of like not trying to be stew. Uh, I, I know that Janice has brought a totally different kind of uh, sensibility to mother, as did all of the uh, performers. Uh, so just to piggyback on that. That's, and that's what makes this production, I think, unique. If you've seen it on Broadway, if you've seen it in another place, if you've seen it on you know, Netflix, it's not that in totality. And let me ask you, Tim, the um, so I, I'm not an expert in stew, uh, mm-hmm. you know, or his work. But but my question would be part of the play takes place or yeah, play takes place in L.A. And we have Amsterdam and we have Germany. Mm-hmm. Was that a, is that fiction? Was that Stu's progression in life or is everything? Are those countries symbolic for, for the messages he's trying to get across? Well, that's Stu's journey, you know, um, now the story inside of it. What's the saying? Don't let the facts get in the way of telling a good story. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> and so there was some embellishment. And you and and Stu learned that from working with theater artists, you know, who uh, helped the entire production grow in two different ways. One was traditionally theatrical and the other was almost the impulsive rock and roll musical aspect of it. And so then this marriage happened. Um, and it collided and many people, you know, cause this went up in what, 2008, you know, so we talk about pre Hamilton and those kinds of things, right? right. Yeah. Uh, it rocked the theater world, this type of storytelling. It was, it was very unique at the time, you know? Um, yeah. It was not yeah, Oklahoma. It, you know, it, it's certainly not Oklahoma. <laughs> no matter, no matter who it is. It's not Oklahoma. <laughs> what? What, Jordan? As it, it is not Oklahoma. No. <laughs> not even the revised Oklahoma. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but so Stu's journey is uh, the, all these different places. Um, there's, a, there's a song in there called Arlington Hill, which is a lot of fact, but a lot of embellishment, you know, when people see it. But the embellishment is brilliant. And so what uh, Stu was able to do, Stu and Heidi, what they were able to do was to take various aspects of their lives and create you know, these wonderful, intimate stories. Um, yeah. Hey, Jordan, I want to talk a little bit more about Stu in your role, because one of the things I think you did so well, you have you have a couple of relationships to develop. You've got the relationship, you're the audience connection. So even though other cast members will find themselves in the audience, and I, whenever that happens in a show at the Obuke, I always feel like I want to like offer them a drink or something, or well, I don't know, whatever. They're so close, like here, take a sip. And sometimes they do. But uh, <laughs> but but in this situation, you've got the audience relationship to develop. But at the same time, the action's going on stage. And I kind of watch you because I'm looking to see, you know, whether you are following the story, telling the story, part of the story. Does that make sense? How do you? Yeah, no, no, it definitely does. It definitely does. Um, one of the things, one of the things that I that I really like to do as an actor, um, and Janice Janice touched on it earlier, is um, stay engaged, stay engaged, 
the entire time. It's the most important part of acting. If you're not engaged, people will know they can see it and it'll completely take them out of the moment. Um, but one of the interesting things about the narrator is that point of like, am, are you, are you watching the show? Are you a part of the show? Are you in the show? You know, like, are you part of the audience? Right, 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 right. Which sometimes I am. Um, you know, Tim, Tim gave me a note, um, recently and was like, you know, I think like, I love the stuff that you're doing, but like, sometimes I need you to just watch the show. Sometimes I need you to just sit and observe and just be an audience member so that this moment can shine and no one's looking at you. No one's thinking about you for a second. They're just engaged in what's happening. I find that fascinating. So, Tim, I got to come to you about that. And I don't know what moment Jordan's referring to, but but what is it that will lead you as the director to watch and go, "No, you're you're. I need you to watch the show. You're you're not. Yeah. What what led to that? And what are you after? Is it about focus of the audience? It's it's absolutely one hundred percent throwing the focus where it needs to be. You know, it's it's not more complicated than that, right? It's saying that. Um, with someone who has a, such a, a personality like Jordan, it's very, very. It's a very careful thing. It's a thin line between, you know, pulling that focus, that personality, and then giving it. And what Jordan, what they have learned to do, what they discovered to do, because they've already known it. So it's not even learning through the direction. Is going. What's happening on stage in that corner of the stage at this moment is what everybody should be looking at. But what's also equally important is when to take focus back. Mm-hmm. And that's the skill aspect, you know, and you can't really teach that. You can direct it. But unless somebody instinctively has that as a performer, as an actor, um, it, it can't be accomplished because it becomes a very selfish sort of acting. This has to be a selfless production. We all know that this ensemble is tight. They rely on one another. We have a a cast of 10, um, I believe, all told. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Seems they, more than that. Well, I guess you include the musicians. And- well, you include the musicians, right, 10, and then you add the other uh, four, oh, yeah. about 14 total. Um, and they all have to work in syncopation. They all yeah. have to be aware of one another. And they all have to be aware when it's not your turn. Especially since the stage is so small. And it's so small. <laughs> it is. I mean, that's well, part that's of the challenge of that. Part of it. You need the audience space just to come out and do some things. Mm-hmm. You do. And that was part of the Jordan, challenge, right? Jordan, I mean, there, are, there are times, Jordan, when you are sitting in the audience. I'm sort of curious are those reserved seats for you every night, or are you just every <laughs> night hoping there's an, an empty seat that you get to put in? No, they, they are reserved seats. And it was funny. One of the, uh, one of the saints, one of the ushers, <laughs> volunteers. <laughs> yeah, one of the volunteers. Um, sat in the reserve seat and uh, and so i went over there well before before i before i had to go over there i looked over i was like oh, God. <laughs> i have to kick this lady on my chair that oh, was hilarious <laughs> did you do it in character did you do it in character or i mean you know was it part of the show or you quietly kind of no, said you i kind of i kind of broke i kind of broke character a little bit i i i, I gave her one of these i was like i need this chair <laughs> I was like, you need to get up. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, the saints are volunteers anyway, and we love them. But she didn't pay for that seat, so that's just fine. Move along. Uh, I'm just kidding. Of- we love the saints. We we need the saints, <laughs> and we reserve them because there's actually lights 
that are oh, focused. Oh. Our lighting designer, uh, David Edberg Goodman, um, shout out to David. Yes. Uh, so really it's very, very specific where uh, Jordan is sitting in the audience. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah, it would have to mm-hmm. be. Yeah. So, Janice, if I were to ask you, I've had a p- few people ask me this, like, what does passing strange mean? I have my own thoughts, but I'm not 100% sure. And I'm, mm-hmm. I don't know whether you all talk about that. or But to you, what does Passing Strange mean as a title of the show? Passing Strange. Well, I think um, I know that the, the title of a show is a reference to um, a passage from Shakespeare. Um, but really, I think in the context of this show, Passing Strange kind of describes the journey that... Um, the youth is on throughout the show. Like there are so many bizarre things that he encounters and kind of does in the pursuit of finding himself. And I think the idea is like, don't lose yourself trying to find yourself, I think is a bit of the the meaning of this story and um, kind of how the, the title might fit into that. So your colleagues here are nodding. Do you dry? Cause I have a, a thought I was going to throw at you, but Jordan, is that your view? Oh no. Well, 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 I was just going to say to that point, um, mother has a brilliant line that she says twice, um, during the song identity, um, that says, why don't you want to be around your own people? Mm. Um, and I think, I think that is a lot of like how the show is like that, that, that is telling of like what the show is trying to say of just like people, people don't always have to like fit into a box that you think that they need to fit into. Some people are strange, you know, and when you are strange and you live in a society, um, it's a journey. It's a journey to find yourself. It's, it's like trying to fit a square, a square peg in a round hole, you know, like it's, it's, you gotta, you got to round those edges, mm-hmm. you know? And Tim, I'm going to ask you the question too, but let me just toss out what went through my head. And you just tell me if I'm, you know, once again, like I don't know what I'm talking about, or you, you can play with it. Cause to me, passing strange was one of two things because so many of the characters in the show are kind of quirky and whatever. So I thought one reference could be to um, young Stu passing strange people, but not, not in a bad, just strange, unusual people in his life compared to what he knows. And then the other thing, I thought, well, what, or it's the reference to him that, that it, the reference is passing strange, meaning he is passing, but he is strange to other players because when he shows up in Amsterdam and Germany, sometimes they don't know what to make of, of him. So I, I, can either of those work? Sure. I think any and all of those can work. Right? <laughs> I, think, I think, I think the title um, can mean many things to everyone, right? You know, so how you view it. Uh, but there's also a reference in the play to uh, Stu as growing up as passing for ghetto or passing. There's references to passing for black or a grandmother who was passing yeah. for white in order to make it, right? Um, and so I think it may even be, uh, there may be a question mark that's missing from the title, hmm. right? Um, that that questioning of identity, as Janice pointed out earlier, and feeling strange, not fitting in. You know, when you're black and you don't fall into that mode of Motown or what people think you should be and compartmentalize you as this, that, or the other thing, that you're probably referred to as someone who's strange. 
You know, you don't quite fit in. You are you don't fit into that box. And so to Jordan's point, when mother says, why don't you want to be around your own people? But Jordan's interpretation of of not fitting in and Michael Jones interpretation of not fitting in is so heavy and yet it's so beautiful, you know, and it really comes down. Like I said, there's this wonderful ensemble and yet what we focused on are the narrator, Stu, the youth and the mother. This is, this is the, the nuclei of the story and feeling strange is something that happens very early on in the story for the youth, not fitting in. That, to me, is what makes Theo Ubuque one of the most perfect venues to put a show mm. on like this. Because, look, there's a lot of theater companies that are inclusive and, you know, and they try. And I'm not saying they're not. They are. They do, do a great job. But I don't think anybody does it like Theo Ubuque does. That's my view. Um, because Theo Ubuque just seems to respect everybody for whatever they choose to be, whatever they find themselves to be. It's just a complete respect for performers and and i i just th- i think it's great and what a per- perfect show to to play in that space um where everybody is welcome and and uh, just feels comfortable to be in in your own skin i think thank you yeah yeah absolutely uh, so i want to encourage everybody to see passing strange fortunately this place till july 30th because that's that's a longer run than we usually see there so uh yeah that is really nice y'all are going to be employed for a while and um, <laughs> jordan hold on to that voice man i work I'm trying. your voice is so great <laughs> i'm trying thank you all right um yeah, gargle with whatever you gargle with and um <laughs> But anyway, I want to thank, I want to thank you so much uh, for joining me again. Passing Strange is a Theo Ubuque theater. The, the uh, website is Theo, T-H-E-O hyphen, ooh, ooh, hyphen U, <laughs> or ooh, uh, dot com. And, uh, listen, congratulations, Tim, on directing such, you know, an amazing show. Uh, and Jordan and Janice, you guys are just amazing. I mean, I just, I just so appreciate, uh, this performance and I'm so glad you, you all were able to join me. Very, very appreciated. Thank you. Thank you, Thank Thank you, you so much, Paul. I appreciate you. you. Thank you. Appreciate oh, it. 